My name's Mark Copes. I'm Andrew Baxter. And this is... It's Bobby's and Watermelon. How's it going, Baxter? I am good. We are both I'm wide awake. Quite, quite tired. We are both... I'll tell you what, we're, we're wide awake for different reasons. <laughs> uh, the kudos must really go to you because we are recording at 6.30 your time. Uh-huh. Is that right? Yep. So you've been up since very early, I'm guessing? Yeah, I can get pretty efficient when I need to be in the morning, <laughs> but um, still, it was because uh, we don't have internet at our place yet. So my bro's been very kind; he's um out of the country at the moment, so I got to drive to his apartment and, and steal his Wi-Fi. So, but it felt pretty cool this morning. I was uh packing my bags and I'm heading to the office. It may be my <laughs> my brother's lounge room, but it's still an office. <laughs> an office is an office. It's all good, and you're pretty late over there. It's only 10.30 over here, but I have had quite a long day, and I have a very early start tomorrow as well, so I'm going to be oh, looking forward to that. Fun Got things tomorrow, tomorrow or boring fun things? Th- fun things. Okay. Uh, tour, Frisbee tour, but... Uh, I've got to leave at 5.30 in the morning. Jesus, you didn't mention that. <laughs> oh, we'll be a very efficient recording tonight then. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's good, it's good. I can do this, I can do this. I've had a nap, I haven't done too much work today. The, our afternoon, it was, we had a team building exercise where we went and did pottery painting and we all went and painted our own mug and that was quite oh. relaxing. After the very initial, oh my God, how am I going to mess this up? <laughs> Turns out it's very stressful. Everyone was very stressed because they we all felt like we had to deliver. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Well, you just like you, you get one mug. That's true. You, you get one mug, and you can get. It turns out you can get it wrong and go over it. I I did that a couple of times, but it's not it's not easy. Uh, it's not as easy as just like making into a ball and going again. I definitely should have gone with just an abstract kind of mood and just made it a nice pretty mug, as opposed to what I did, which was try to paint mountains on it. <laughs> And uh, that was that was pretty tricky and took a couple of goes. I'm curious to see how it would turn out. Is this going to be your tea mug? Yep, it's going to be my third mug in the office, I think. No, mm. fourth. I've thought about this because you fourth said you're a big, big tea drinker and, I'm, and I'm, I'm coming around to that idea because more than two coffees in a day is generally a bad idea. You can have tons of teas, but are you the type of person that has, you know, one million novelty mugs at home? Uh, I I don't want to answer that question, but yes, uh, Not only okay. that I, have, I do. My my mugs at work. The main one I have is one that I won in a raffle. It's a hideous mug with a it's a red mug with a picture of a dog on it. Nice. And then I won another one in a different raffle somewhere. So that I'll put that in my car and like, oh, I'll put I'll take that to work and that'll be my new mug. That mug is still in my car, and this happened months ago, <laughs> last year possibly, and. <laughs> Is it a it's a fresh one still? Oh, it's not fresh because I've used it. But oh, it's mm-hmm. in my, I need to, the problem is that when I get in my car, I get in, I drive where I'm going, and I get out, which means that I only really see the steering wheel and a bit of the passenger seat, front passenger seat. What's on the back seat? No idea. N- not a clue what's there. It's somewhere in there, and um, it needs to come out there, but I can't figure out it. But oh, I've also got to work. I have a tea, tea for one set, which is a cup and saucer, which has a teapot that fits inside the cup. And I'll tell you what, I've received a lot of abuse for having that, <laughs> but I don't care because it makes really nice tea. Haters going to hate. Don't worry about them. Haters going to hate. And uh, now I've got a new mug on the way, <laughs> which says I'm with stupid on the bottom so that when you drink it with your left hand, when you drink, so it says I'm with stupid. Nice. I like it. I thought that was funny. 
Well, I mean, I can't make fun. Like, I've still got a mug that I won at a door raffle when I was in grade four for the Blue Light Disco. So I'm not one to judge about other people's mugs or novelty mugs. But we just, if, we just have to go back and you have to explain to me a couple of those terms because I'm not quite – so you, have, you won it in a, a what raffle? A door uh, raffle. Like you just get a ticket when you go into the disco when you're in primary school. Everyone gets a ticket. Oh. They hand out prizes. Like it is definitely not even a male mug. It is definitely a female mug. But does it have a Disney princess on it's it? It's free. No, it was definitely not that expensive. <laughs> but it's free, and you just can't get rid. Of, like if I go to, I went to this other one where I went to this uh, like work convention, or whatever it is, somewhere in the exhibition center, and obviously the person manning this booth wasn't very good at talking, but he just straight away gave me a mug. And I straight away walked away. And I'm not sure if that's how the interactions <laughs> meant to happen, but he gave me the freebie. I've still got that one as well. Like, it's it's stupid. I'm advertising a company. I have no idea what they do, but I really like the mug. But free mugs are mug. That's it, because mugs are expensive. Are they? They're not really, because you use it a lot. You do use it a lot. There's definitely, like, the use to cost. So you get a pretty good value out of a mug. Mm-hmm. I often think that about, like, laptops. Like, you're literally on the computer nearly every waking hour why don't you get a good computer and make your life easier that'd be phones very, as well very smart yeah cost per use of your phone is actually quite i mean i know that you can spend quite a lot of money on a phone and you can spend not as much money on a phone and you can still get a pretty good phone mm-hmm. but it's the kind of thing where i'm using it an all, a, a lot much more than i should be so i feel like it's okay to spend a bit more money on it no i agree i agree it's like when i on the opposite end of this, that scale i bought some ice axes to go climbing with <laughs> And yeah, good, them. good segue from coffee mugs to ice axes. They're very similar, similar category in Walmart. They're, much, they're still quite at the opposite end of use. Cost per use is uh-huh. still fairly high. Uh-huh. You don't get many chances to use them. But that does lead into why it's been a while since we've recorded, hasn't it? A little bit, yep. And uh, a part of the reason for that was just because we uh, gave it we gave it a little bit of a gap after the recording of the last episode. That's too hard sometimes. Um, just the normal, like, we, I think we left it for two weeks or so, uh-huh. like the usual amount of time. And then it was, right, we'll, we'll record next week. And I had to go to Ireland, which I have a story that I will share about a little bit, but we'll come back to that. And then I came back from Ireland, like, right, we're going to record this week. One problem, I don't have a voice <laughs> because I was just so sick. My mortal body decided to let me down. And turns out that's important for audio. but Yeah. Well, I just felt so bad because I had to message you like, it's just not happening. Oh, I know. And then and uh, the worst bit was that I was like, it's not happening this week and I'm away next week. Now we've we definitely, definitely tried, but we're here. We're here now. Do you actually so know that's it's what matters? something special about today? Is it the third birthday it is. of Puppets and Waterman? For a second, For a second, though, I thought it was gonna, I was going to be the girlfriend that's like, Love, it's the third month and sixth hour that we've been together. <laughs> but yeah, not sure. Birthday again, we're recording on the birthday again. Yeah, congratulations, happy birthday. Happy birthday, puppies. Uh, we haven't got a cake this year. No, we'd have to buy two. It's fine with me. Yeah. Tell me, well, let's get stuck in. Tell me about, um, oh no, wait, these ice picks. Did you say you've got expensive ones or cheap ones? There's two very conflicting ideas behind that. One is I like having money, so... Mm-hmm. Spend, buying expensive things kind of clashes with that but also i like being alive so i don't want to skimp on anything to do with climbing i was about to say the same thing yeah. there's definitely a line to tow here and uh-huh. i could have spent a lot more money i also probably could have spent a bit less money but i i did all right they were 300 they were like uh, 600 dollars for the pair uh-huh. but they're ice 
axes. Picks. Oh yeah, they're, they're hardcore. I will send. Do you want me to send you a picture of them? Do it. Do you need like a license? Do you need to show your ID when you buy them? Is there something? I think some damage could be done. I had to use these for two trips recently. So I, the first time I went um, ice climbing, we just borrowed the guide's ice tools because we were kind of wanted to make sure we actually liked it. But we have since gone on two trips afterwards, and we decided it was worth slack. Slack, slack. There it is. Do they have um, like wrist connectors? Like if you let go of the pick. Well, what you talk about there is leashes, and we climb in a leashless style. But we have tethers, which means that when we were climbing in Scotland, so we were on much longer routes. For example, when you're halfway up a mountain, dropping an ice axe not a great idea. Yeah, I don't think You're it quite is. Dependent on it. Yeah. So you can have a tether, which means that it's tied on a fairly elastic, stretchy bit of um, cord to your waist. Mm-hmm. So you still have freedom of movement. You can still move your arms around, but if you drop it, you're not going to lose it. So it's like when you're um, when you're driving behind a truck and it says, you know, if you can't see my mirrors, I can't see you. So if you're climbing just behind a person with ice picks, it says like, if you can't see me, I might drop an ice pick on your head. Kind of well, yeah, but also if you're climbing behind someone, they've got spikes on their feet called crampons, uh, which you don't want in your face. So, you, yeah, you definitely want to give people a bit more space when you're ice climbing. This seems like a group of people you wouldn't want to get in a fight with. You know, like you'd want to make sure it's a pretty peaceful climbing trip. Well, so this trip when we went to Scotland, we went climbing Ben Nevis, the tallest mountain in the United Kingdom, hey, uh, on this on the really sharp on the really steep side. I tell you what, it's, it's, did you know about that before you started? Yeah, yeah, that was the okay. plan. Okay. So we went in the only alpine hut in the UK called the CIC hut, which is right at the base of the north face of uh, northwest face of Ben Nevis. And where in Scotland is this, roughly? So Fort William, which is about two hours north of Glasgow. Okay. So it's on the west coast, uh, kind of in the middle of the highlands. Mm-hmm. Getting there and getting around was, because we also had a race that week. Um, <laughs> of course you did. Of course. Oh, yeah, we just, well, uh, the, the, the thing is, when you're planning these things, you just look at dates and go, oh, this date is next to that date. I'm sure we can make it work. Um, so you just book it all, and then you start trying to work out how to actually get between places, and you're thinking, I don't want to drive because I don't want to have a car there. I just don't know how you have so much energy in your body. Oh, by the end of the week, we were really struggling. It's unbelievable. We were just sleeping afterwards. Just heard you, I wouldn't believe you, but I've been there, I've seen you. Like, I don't... <laughs> I don't understand. I'm going to go watch the football tonight, and I'm probably going to have to have a nap before going. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a lot of naps when we had the chance on this week. So when I was planning it, we were like, right, so there's a race that we're going to, part of the series that we're doing this year. So I was like, right, if we're going to go do that, we're going to, that's a long way to drive, and it's in the middle of winter, so we'd quite like to do some more winter climbing. Looked up winter climbing courses. And I found one that was, they started the day after the race. I was like, that's perfect because we'll be up there. (laughs) Perfect. We'll be ready to go. Yeah, we'll be feeling amazing after the race. uh, And then we'll have, we'll link up for a nice week, have a lovely week over there. And then the problem was, well, we leave the car in the car park for the whole week. So I don't want to take my car up because it's a long drive and I'm leaving it in a car park unattended for a week. I don't want to take a hire car because that means we're having to pay to hire a car for a week which we're not even using uh-huh. which just sounds stupid so it came down to i guess we have to do it on public transport uh-huh. now stuff that also made this complicated was girlfriend's flight coming in so they had to time that public transport or public transport so 
Got to the airport uh, around about nine o'clock was when the flight was coming in. But I was also aware that um, there's an issue that if I book us onto something, say a train or a bus, I don't want it to be a tight connection at that point because if her flight gets delayed, yep. we miss the bus or train and then we're just screwed. So I had to, I booked us onto a slightly later bus. So we took a bus from Heathrow to Glasgow. That's an eight-hour coach. Not an experience I would recommend uh, unless you like being uncomfortable, unable to sleep. And at this point, have you got all your like expensive gear with you? Like your yeah, that was all in a bag in the hold or the coach, which is definitely not safe. Like I, I can't, no. I constantly think someone's going to steal my bag. Oh yeah, I was just the whole time I was just thinking like, when we get to a stop, should I look out the window and like, no walks off with our bags? Because obviously, when they're doing the bags, they just open it up and just like, here, take your bags off you go. They don't check whose bag is whose. No, it's kind of like a plane, but no one, anyone, but anyone could just walk up. Like you know, on a plane when you get to the carousel and you can just pick up any bag and leave. Uh huh. Yeah, this like I've often thought about people could just be waiting at the bus stop and then just pretend they're getting off. Like it could be so easily mm. done. And I'm sure it does. Yeah. And I'm like, it's an early morning thing. So they're going to assume that people are tired. So, but I was scared. And I'm like, there was a lot of money in those bags in equipment and stuff, but it was all fine. I was okay. We got to Glasgow. We then had to hire a van. And the reason it was a van was because that is cheaper. Oh. It's uh, about half the price to hire a van really? per day than it is to hire a car. Also that meant we could sleep in the back of it. Wow. So we hired a, hired a van for one day. Drove to the race, which is in the Scottish borders. It was in a very nice part of the Scottish borders. Actually, we got there early enough to have a nap in the back because we were, you know, we hadn't slept properly. Surprise. So is this like a, a sleeper van or just a van van with like just made a bed it's out just of it? A, just a transit, just a Ford Transit with nothing in the back. That's crazy. They're cheaper. They're, it turns out they're not warm. <laughs> no, I can imagine. They are, they are cold and it was quite cold that weekend as well. I think the race was close to getting called off, but because there was no snow, it was okay. But they were they did put out a warning beforehand, like, you need to be careful. Bits of the clothes, of course were closed off after a while because the river got too high. So we got this race. It was a 10K. They, they advertised it as a 10K uh, with like a coy laughter of, ooh, but maybe it's a little bit more. And then you look it up and it's 16K. It's not hard to find out. <laughs> this seems to be a pattern of these events. I'm not sure if you've noticed. But this one, they definitely like steer into it. They're like, oh no, because when we planned it, it was like we thought it would be around about 10K and it's, it's definitely not. Uh, we were planning on doing two laps. However, as I previously mentioned, the week before I was very unwell. I got quite a severe bout of flu. I was off work for three days. So really sick. Yeah, like that morning I was like, I don't know if I can race. I don't know if I could take part. But around about lunchtime, I did do a little bit of a run just to see. It was like... We stopped off for some lunch, and I was like, oh, we need to go to an ACM. And I thought to myself uh, quietly, oh, if I run there, I can see how I feel, you know, <laughs> test the water. Felt fine. Felt pretty good. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's, I'll just take some, take a flu pill or something, and then I'll give it a go. I'm trying to relate, but I just can't. If only I run to the ATM. Just don't show it there. <laughs> continue. Just, continue. Just cool. <laughs> right. You spent money to get it. And you want to. So there we there we are. We line up on the start and we have three hours to get back to the start to be allowed to start the second lap. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise we'd be too late. We'd be be behind the last wave that's left and stuff and we can't. So we we got three hours and I'm thinking, off we go, it's great. We I'm like, this is fine. I feel pretty good. We go through some a really muddy field and through some river. And then we start the big first big climb. And it's still still going okay. We're like, the climb uphill was fine. It's a bit slow, but I'm going, look, it's all right, because we're going to make time on the downhill. So keep going up and up and up and up and up. And then we get to the downhill, 
And what I kind of hadn't realized was that the downhill was going to be a very, very slippery through trees, just basically falling down. I mean, it's, it's nearly a cliff. It was very steep. Jesus. So we didn't make up any time on the downhill. Mm-hmm. And then you're getting around, you have to go, we had to like wade through a river. Well, later on, as we go around, we can hit like, you go past the marshals and you hear in the, on the walkie talkies, they've had to close that bit of the river because it's got too, it's just swelled up too much. So we're like, why did you let us go through it? And they're like, come on, off you go. You got to go up another, had to go up a scree pile. And then after about two hours, 40 odd minutes, we get back to the start and we are not well. 20 minutes to spare. Well, we've got like 10, 15 minutes. And they're like, oh, it's all right. You know, here's a cup of tea. Have some food, have a flapjack. And there's about six or so of us there doing this. And we're all there looking at it going, right, do we need to go back out there? But I'm there going, I don't know if I could really do another lap. I'm not feeling great. I probably could. Girlfriend is there. So she's saying her knees starting to pack up because it is a lot of downhill and it was very tough on your knees. We've both, I was, my training had gone out the window for the previous week. I hadn't barely moved. Her training had been compromised for various different reasons. So we just weren't quite the shape we wanted to be. So when he just came to push the shelf and they were like, you need to go now. That's when we saw the first finisher come past us. Jeez. So we were just like, oh, so we've just been lapped. Um, <laughs> should we just go? And we are like, yeah, let's, let's, let's call it. So we went, we didn't do the second lap. We just, just did one lap, which still is a pretty good achievement most people only did one lap oh i'm not holding against you don't worry about that it's like because we'd set out to do two it felt like a failure but we're still uh-huh. there going we've done one of them but what we did what it did mean we missed out on was we missed out on the nighttime lap so we didn't get to do it with head torches on but you did do the whole track you just didn't do it in the dark yeah which is the same yeah track. so so you still did the track and at the time i was there going i don't know if i'd come back for this race i think we're done with this one we're not going to bother coming back for the double but i'll tell you what recently like since we started getting some more messages about it i'm like i don't know i feel like there's some unfinished business there <laughs> i'll tell you what this adventure race marketing must be pretty slick oh they, they know how to market yeah so, so that was the first day of the trip because and by that point we'd finished well like only six or so people had finished at this point Right. So we had... You just pretended that first, you'd finished as well and went straight just to the... Straight to, well, I, I got classified as a finisher. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Walk around with your medal. Because I was second, so we're like, yeah, sure, whatever. I don't know if it's been corrected. I can't be bothered to look it up. But um, because I was not the first man across the line, it turned up in the initial results. Would they keep track of that? Could you just be like, is that, was that your first or second lap? And like, definitely my second well, we got given the lap band okay. for it. So you get to the end of the first lap and they're like, here's your band to show you've done the first lap. Just and they gave that to us before we chose if we went out for the second one. Uh-huh. So we could have gone across the line and been like, yes, please, I want the double medal. But we didn't because I didn't want it because I don't want a medal I didn't earn. But anyway, so this time, this was, what time was this? This would have been 6, 6.30 we go have a shower, which was great because there wasn't many showers and the showers, you saw them like the ones in the Lake District. They're basically mm. in a trailer. And they would have been available, which is good. Oh, they were available and the water was still, there was still water. But the, it, I did feel guilty because I'm there muddy and like in a state and I'm like, I need to shower my shoes on. Open up the door to the shower and see this pristine shower. Oh, nice. And I just think to myself, I'm a bad person. <laughs> no, that's what they're for. <laughs> I was like, I put quite a lot of effort into like cleaning the shower up after me, but I did all right. Anyway, we go shower, go to van, and we're like, well, look, it's only like seven o'clock, and we need to drop the van off back in Glasgow in the morning. We could just drive back there and camp like on the road next to the car rental place. So we did that. We did stop on the way, like, we need to eat something. Went into a Chinese place, ordered 
what I thought was going to be an okay amount of food. Like we're not hungry right now, but we we've done a lot of work today, so we the hung the appetite will come. It didn't. No. So we ordered like two mains rice and some, some starters and stuff, and then we just got through the starters and both just looked at each other as realised we'd made a huge mistake. Oh, but you're always in the mood for Chinese. Yeah, that's the thing. We weren't. We're like, what's wrong with us? But anyway, we get back to Glasgow. So park outside next to where we have to drop the van off. So all we have to do is we sleep in the back of the van and in the morning we're packing up. And I'm like, I would call the Uber right now, but I'm not sure how long it takes to pack up. So I'll just call it in a moment. Pack off the van and we've got 20 minutes to catch the bus to get to Fort William. Mm, are you feeling nervous? I'm like, right, it's 20 minutes. It's a five minute drive. No problems. Call an Uber. Uber's going to take 10 minutes to arrive. Uh-huh. And at this, this point, I realized I made a huge mistake. How frequent are the buses? Like once a day? We would have been waiting like three hours or something Okay, to get the next one. Not convenient then? Uh, but that was very much squeaky bum time. We, the only saving grace, the reason we caught the bus is because somebody else was late and he was holding the friend the bus for his friend. They did not make the bus and we did. Oh, that's... <laughs> so that was... But anyway, so we get we got the bus. It's three hour ride up to Fort William. We get there. We meet up with the, the guides, and then we have to start walking up to the CIC hut, which is like a two hour trek. At this point, I'm finding out why it was a bad idea to take a bag which wasn't comfortable to carry because it's quite a long walk up. But good idea but not we, to do the second lap. Uh, oh yeah, I was not happy. <laughs> the problem was that the bag I was carrying for my I had two bags. One bag that I was planning on climbing with, so that one was nice and comfy. And a big bag, because we just had a lot of stuff. We had stuff we were racing in, stuff we needed food for a week and stuff. It was just an absolute slog up up a mountain <laughs> to get to a hut. To then try and get a route in that afternoon, because we knew the conditions were good then, and they were going to get worse in the week. Oof. So how long were you at this base camp for? A week? The plan was to get there on a Sunday afternoon, and then climb Monday to Friday. Wow, that's to a get, solid amount of time. For the week. In the end, we went up on the Sunday, bagged a route early. So we went up a place, went up a route called Forty Towers, which was great because it was like a little bit of exposure to. By the way, this is nothing like the ice climbing you did in Norway. It's much more terrifying. Oof. Ice climbing is great because your ice axes just go straight into the ice and you swing them in and they do a nice solid fud and you know they're planted. Scottish winter climbing is not like that. It's soft snow and you're having to like put your ice axes into cracks in the rock and twist them so that they stay still. Ah. You're having to put your crampons, tiny little ledges to get in. Bit of finesse. And this was like, this wasn't a hard route, but we were just like, wow, this is, this is very different. I feel like I'd enjoy the general swinging into anything, smashing it in and then pulling up. That sounds like a fun time. Oh, it, it feels amazing. Like when the first time someone gives you a pair of ice axes and then goes, have it this bit of ice, it feels amazing. Hmm. You love it. Is it good? Uh, I would definitely good recommend it. Anger management? Yeah. Ice climbing is probably easily the most terrifying thing I've ever done. Really? He goes, ice climbing is a way scarier than mountain biking, which is way scarier than a lot of other stuff. Huh. We did this one time for parents to give us some crazy Christmas presents, just things you don't normally do. And this one that they got was, have you ever seen the hoverboards that are connected to a jet ski? Like they shoot out water and you hover up. In the, the air, Ironman things like yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're connected to a jet ski, yeah. not not these yeah, solo yeah. ones. Yeah, and we had a go at that. Did I ever tell you when I went on that? I think you mentioned it before. I can't remember if you mentioned it on the podcast. Ah, I was shit bloody scared because I, I probably only went up five meters or so. But it's just this five is, meters is a long way. Well, it's just this. Well, maybe say, what would it have been? Maybe a house height. What's that? Three meters. It wasn't high when I look at the video of me afterwards. But I didn't want to do anything because. If you stack it, they just cut the power 
because they've got control on the jet ski, and you just fall wherever you're going to fall. If you just happen That's to fall, a long way down. but if you just happen to fall on the jet ski, you hit the jet ski. <laughs> like, I'm not, they would be switched onto that and like get out of the way. But they don't control the, the, the direction of the jet ski. You're just pulling it along. Like it's, I don't know. I just think about the dangers of it, and I'm, I, I can't believe it. It scared the bejeebas out of me. Anyway, have you ever gone cliff jumping? Just jumping into the water. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that, that's kind of sounds like a similar idea. Like I reckon that's probably as scary, but definitely cliff jumping. You know, it's like uh, girls will not relate, but I'm not sure how many females listen to this. But you know that feeling when like your ball sack just tightens, just just <laughs> it just feels like it's not equivalent, but yes, it just feels like uh, instantly it's shrunk, and but the contents inside haven't shrunk, and that pain. Get that cliff jumping, but not really anything else. Do you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) I I do. I'm sure that many people listening can relate. Uh I'm glad I mentioned that then. (laughs) But anyway, back to the, uh, very quickly back to the climbing in Scotland. So it was quite, it was very, very nice to spend a week climbing with a guide who knew what what he was doing. He was taking us on the nice climb. So we did a couple of the classic ridges. We did Tower Ridge, which is a very famous ridge along Ben Nevis. It's one of the longest climbs in the country. It's very exposed. And uh, when it comes to climbing, exposed means scary. Mm-hmm. So there's the first really exposed bit, which you had to do, I think it was called the uh, Eastern Traverse. So there's the, around, going around the little tower. So there's an extra lumpy bit of the uh, the ridge. You go around the side, which means that you're walking along a snow drift, which is under a cliff and above a cliff. That, that, that was scary enough, but it's, it's okay because it's kind of like a walk but you just take it carefully and you're tied in, so it's all right. Oh, I see what you're but saying. It, yeah. gets, it gets worse as you then have to like walk along a ridge. So you're walking along like a knife ridge where it just disappears beside each side of you. And you can't see very far because it's cloudy. Uh-huh. So you can't quite see, but you can see enough. You can see enough to know it's a long way down. And then you get to Tower Gap, which requires a down climb, which means that you have to then climb downwards into this small gap. We took quite a long time there. As things went wrong, and I, was, I, I just ended up spending quite a long time stood in Tower Gap, looking down a chimney, just trying to think to myself, "Why am I not scared?" Mm-hmm. Because normally, if we'd been out walking and I'd ended up in this kind of situation, I would be very, very concerned that uh, something's gone wrong. But in this case, I'm kind of like, "It's all right. I can kind of rationalise it because I can hold on to the side, and I am tied in, so I'm not going to fall that far." But it was a bit of a surreal moment to just be there, kind of trying to rationalize the danger uh-huh. and realize that like why i'm not feeling worried about it trying to make but, it scary yeah try, well, just, just trying to like process it in my head and think about what was going on because i was also quite aware like this is this stuff won't happen very often i can't do this all the time so i need to kind of think about this and remember it but as the week went on conditions uh a lot of the snow melted which meant that we actually bailed out a day early uh. climbed down walked out of the mountains we spent that day going up to Mali, which is a nice little coastal fishing village. And then we got the sleeper train back from Fort William to London. And I would be lying if I hadn't been looking forward to that the whole trip. <laughs> How good are they? I was just, for some reason, really excited about being able to sleep on a train in a bed. In a little bunk bed? Yep. Uh-huh. I was like, treated myself. Like, treated us like, you know, on the way back, we're going to get ourselves a sleeper. And the thing is that after we'd spent all this whole week doing all this stuff, we're just both exhausted. So we get into the train and I was like, oh, you know, maybe we'll go and check like the lounge car out in a bit, maybe get some food. And then I got in the bed 
I was like, I'll just get in the bed for a moment, and then that's it. I was out for the twelve hours. Oh wow! I'd well, I'd wake up for stops, and then, you know that you know that feeling you get when you wake up before your alarm's gone off, and you're scared that the alarm's about to go off. Oh, wait, how does how does that happen? I don't know. You're like you wake up and you're like, I really want to go back to sleep, but I'll, I'm probably gonna have to get up in like five minutes. How good is it though when you wake up and it's like uh, four hours before, and you're like, is this exactly what happened? Because I woke up one time and I was like. Oh god, we're probably nearly there, aren't we? Look at my watch. I'm like, no, we're still in Glasgow. We've got another eight hours left. <laughs> yes, perfect. Did I ever tell you about my old alarm strategy? Which alarm strategy? The one with the best alarm in the world? Yeah, I think I must have then. Yep, the one with like uh, that goes off at three o'clock in the morning. No, I don't. Oh, I think you have mentioned this before. Ah. Yeah, you turn it on at three o'clock in the morning so that you can then have ages sleep afterwards. Yeah, and then you appreciate the fact that you've got another four hours left. I, I don't think it's a good idea. No, nah, it's no. Result is... Do you not do it anymore? No, it's not good. I don't recommend it to anyone. But it's good in theory, but don't do it. Just let your body naturally wake theory. up. <laughs> me, it was. So anyway... Sleeper that train. Was, uh, That's... Sleeper train, love them. I've got to say, when, when that and I went on, like, even just ferries, it was an overnight ferry, and they're basically a poor excuse for, for rooms in a, in a place. Like, it's not meant to be glamorous at all. And we just walking yeah. around, think it's like Disneyland. They're like, "Oh, look, there's a machine that makes coffee. Wow, there's seats." You know, we're just loving the thing, and everyone else is just miserable because it's a ferry. <laughs> but I think the same as sleeper trains. It's amazing. It's better than a plane. Like we had a bed, yeah, not it, a big bed, you, and the bed moved around. You could take but, kids on a sleeper train, turn around, and come back, and they would think that is the holiday. Like not have a destination probably, in the yeah. end. They would love Just it. Just spend a day in Glasgow waiting to get back on the train. Yeah, they'd love it. They go, well, we have to wait in this stupid city. Let's get back on the train. That's how it happened. I don't know why, but I like getting trains. I do regret back when uh, Uni Games was on, my very first one looked into and almost bought, instead of flying across, it was cheaper for a student to take a train across. And I think it took a couple of days and I really wanted to do it, but I didn't for some reason in the end. I think maybe. I would love to get a train across Australia now. Yep. Uh, that, that would genuinely be a holiday. From what I hear, it's pretty pricey. Oh, yes. But it sounds like it's the life. Uh, it does seem like a, a, a quite a nice holiday now, just, just by itself, just getting the train. It takes like three days, doesn't it, or something? Yep, yep. So, good trip in the end. Yeah, that's, that's, that's part of what I've been doing. That's so cool. Um, like, even the fact that, you know, your phone works up there, like it's that you can catch a train all the way up there. It's so accessible. Oh, yeah, and we'll definitely be back. The conditions, snow melts around about this time of year. So when we go back next, we're probably not going to be winter climbing, but we'll be proper climbing, like mm-hmm. rock climbing. What have you been up to? <laughs> I mean, that, was, that was quite a long No, that was great. Story. I never get to hear, because when, when you say you go on to these places, we kind of like hold it off for the recording. So I don't, I don't actually know what you're doing until, until you say it. So what, One good. thing that was great was it was a nice week to just not, be connected to anything uh-huh. i did have my phone we did have signal in the hut so i did get a couple of things through and i could check some things so i wasn't completely cut off but like just being in a situation where i wasn't doing anything on my phone or on any computers for a week was just so nice i'm very interested in this at the moment but did you have like a, a separation anxiety from that at all a period like the first day or could you snap out of the habit straight away the thing is that when you're out doing something, it's very easy to ignore it. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you stop, you do start checking things, like try and check things like how I got signal and trying to go on various news sites and stuff just to see what's going on in the world. 
Mm-hmm. And I did find myself like, why am I checking this right now? I could be doing so much. Oh, yeah, you're in, doing anything in else. Scotland. Like, I'd often think that yeah. when we're traveling, it's like, why am I looking at Facebook, worrying what other people are doing when <laughs> we're in this other foreign country? Like, I've been reading a lot of stuff by this guy called Cal Newport, and I just ordered his book, and it's about, um, it's called Digital Minimalism, and his whole thing about, uh, I guess, shaking habits of, of using tech. So like I, I stopped because I would I would check Facebook every day. I think I talked about this in the podcast, like uh, every morning. And now I, I don't have my phone in the bedroom at all and it feels bloody great. And it sounds stupid to talk about, but a lot of people like have this, uh, I'd say it's an addiction. And they he was, he was saying in this article how, what was it, the Cardinals, I think there's some, I think it's an American football team. And while they're doing their team discussions, and planning and training and all that every 20 to 30 minutes they have to have a technology break which means all the players stop their meeting and go check their phones to check their social media and check their emails because the coach sees that they're kind of fidgety and not paying attention and their reasoning is they need to get it out of their system and just check out what's going on in the world and then they can come back and concentrate and it's kind of crazy that professional sports stars let alone normal people can get to that point like you were saying you know what lasts longer than 20 or 30 minutes is a football match like surely sports stars can can last a game without checking their phone but they could be doing it on the bench who knows maybe it's just an interesting topic that uh i think the and there's definitely a thing with kids and games like Fortnite at the moment where there's definitely addiction and I've definitely got those tendencies. Like if I like something, I'll just keep doing it. Like, you know, I have to control it. But it's uh, it's definitely not something that you can just blame other people. Like I think parents blame kids for not having the control, but they don't know what that control is. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on this kind of stuff? Well, for most of that, the reason you can't control it is because every single one of these, you know, like if it's a website or a game or something, they are designed to retain the user so you're you're fighting a losing battle everything every single thing you're on i mean first of all they're endless feeds so you can just keep on scrolling keep on going it doesn't end which makes, which is why it's so addictive mm-hmm. yeah, they're pulling out all the instant gratification yeah. all the tricks in the book really aren't they they've got all engineers working on your attention basically one thing i did notice so this is a slightly different trip when we went to morocco we were very much cut off for a week we could just about get signal if we went to the right place and just about screws but it it was like you could get enough signal to send an SMS. That's about it. <laughs> so most of that was fine. I coped fine without Facebook and all that. I do remember at the time something was going on in North Korea, which I was slightly, I had a bit of anxiety about <laughs> because I don't like war. <laughs> and then, so I was then concerned, like what happens if I'm away for this week and then I come back and we're at war with North Korea? Right. That's a, I feel like it's a valid concern. I mean, <laughs> It's one of those things, like, once the seed is there, uh-huh. it grows. Uh-huh. So I had a week of that just growing, 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 and then came out of I'm like, check the email. Oh, my God, we're not at war. <laughs> yeah. um, your mum, family's getting text messages saying, are we at war with North Korea? It, yeah. <laughs> like, what's going on over there? <laughs> so there is a, a bit of, like, I like being able to make sure that, like, in some ways, when I'm checking the news, I like to check the news and see that nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. That's a very comforting thing. But it's... In this case, I've had more than enough signals to check that kind of thing, but that wasn't really that came into it. But it was, yeah, it was nice to have a weekend a week away. And the next time I go up there or do something like that, 
I will probably just be turning the phone off entirely. Mm-hmm. I was kind of planning this week, so I very nearly didn't have a team to go to tour with because it's mixed and there's not as many men's spaces available for all the men because there's not many women. But I was planning, my contingency was to go running in the Bracken Beacons and I was getting very, oh, there's one of those things where you know how, I don't know if this has happened to you, but I, I was in a situation where, so I haven't made the team. I've asked if I can pick up for a different team and I don't know if they've got spaces. And they might not because they're a bit low. They're a bit guy heavy. They've got a few too many guys. So the main thing I wanted to do wasn't available to me or I didn't know. So then I was like, what else can I do that weekend? And someone suggested, oh, go for a run in the Black Mountains. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. So I started planning it. And now I'm in the situation. Then I got ended up in a situation where I had this nice idea of something I wanted to do. Uh-huh. Now the original one contingent back. on the original idea not working. Oh. So I didn't know which one. I was like, I kind of want to play tour, but also this idea sounds really nice. <laughs> it is tough. Two good things to do, and then you have to turn one good thing down. Yes. So I now have tour, but I've, I've kept that other idea as like, a, oh, that's going to be a really good idea for when I do have a spare weekend mm-hmm. to just go away by myself and go wild camping and just turn off completely. You should be able to do that in about three years, probably. Yeah, yeah. I might be able to squeeze it in like sometime next October. <laughs> that's it. But you're actually stupidly busy year coming up. That's great. I've been getting into a bit of D and D lately. I'm not sure. Oh, if, uh, do you, tell. Do tell. What's your experience of it? Have you heard of it or played it? I have not played Dungeons Dragons. I have played Dark Heresy, mm-hmm. which is a Warhammer 40k based oh, kind right. of uh, pen and paper game. Oh, really? So not with the miniature. Similar idea, but a different setting. Different world. Yeah. Yeah, so like it's kind of one of these things that if I had a grown up, if my dad had played this or if my brother had played this or friend circle, like I definitely would have played it as a kid. But it's just one of those cases where didn't even really know it. You kind of know about it by like from movies and things like that or reading books about talk. But turns out it's it's really impacted like a lot of people, like a lot of just kept on hearing about it in interviews from especially the designer notes um, podcast uh, they're all like video game designers and they all talk about how they used to play it as kids so i think it's bigger there in the states than it is here i definitely say i think that's yeah. part of it yeah and so uh, at one point in time we found some frisbee friends that were they got their own campaign going and they invited uh russ and i to be cameo characters for one night and we kind of got to come along and create a character and, and see them do a session and kind of learn what, what was going on and, and loved it. Like it was great experience and very kind of them to let us come along because generally their campaigns from what I can gather, they've got their group and it's pretty hard to introduce new people because they've got their own storylines going on. And anyway, that, that kind of got pretty exciting. And then uh, what happened when I was at PAX in Melbourne, went and saw um, the guys that I follow, they had a on stage game going and, that probably sounds not very interesting at all to people, but it just captivated me. Like they're playing a board game on a stage to a live crowd and it's being live streamed on the internet. Like it's just really fun and kind of uh, went away going, I think I'm going to learn a bit more about this and came back and uh, what happened? I got it. Uh, just saw it in a shop where I had like this starter kid in the shop and who was it? Nat's uh, folks got it to for me for my birthday and had a little read up about it. And went down a bit down the rabbit hole and got some more books to read about it. Got went to a few 
beginner nights in, in a local little game shop that I had no idea these game shops even existed. But um, they're just really friendly and, and they, they teach you how to play and set up a character and they play it all week. They love it. But it's just uh, found it very, um, very interesting. It, it uses your creativity and, and like, what was it? Have I, have I mentioned it at all? I should stop asking these things, but I haven't mentioned it at all when I went into the few intro nights. No, this is completely new to me. Oh, right. right. Well, I went into the, the intro nights. They had, uh, I thought, oh, I'm going to be, there's going to be all these other adults my age doing it. And I rocked up and there's like a table of, of 12 year olds and 10 year olds. And I'm the Whoops. one adult. <laughs> yeah. I just read this. And, but turns out they were really fun to, to play D and D with because they just think of the, the stupidest things like, um, because <laughs> kids can also be real annoying. I'm not sure if you know this back here. Yes. And there's this one kid that's been a real smart ass. And after we passed this certain certain area of the dungeon, there was this cauldron there of this liquid. It had a note saying, whatever you do, do not drink this. And this one kid's going, I'm going to drink this. <laughs> everyone else is like, that, that's not a good idea. I'm pretty sure the note's there for a reason. He's like, yeah, but what's the worst can happen? Like, let's just... I really want to drink now. I'm thinking about it. I really want to drink. And the, and the dungeon master who like runs the game says, I don't think that's a good idea. I, I mean, I wouldn't really usually say this kind of thing, but are you really, really, really sure you want to drink it? Well, it's there for a reason. Dead certain. Really want to drink. Exactly. He's, he's thinking it's a storyline. Got to go for it. And he drinks it and instantly dies. And it's amazing because it was halfway through the night and these games last for like you know several hours. And yeah. he has to sit in a corner and all, <laughs> at the table and watch us play for the rest because he's dead. I mean, there are ways to like, from what I can read, that to revive them and all this kind of stuff. But for this circumstance, the DM didn't want him to or something. And later on, the parents come to pick the kids up because I think the parents treated it as a creche. Like they drop the kids off, they go do their shopping across the road and yeah, they come yeah. pick them up later. And this kid, he's like been high on Mountain Dew and lollies. And he's just sitting really quiet. And the dad comes like, what's wrong? And he's like, oh, my character died. He's like, oh, I had that happen. And he's like, well, there was this cauldron in the corner <laughs> and I just, I had a drink. And and the friend's like, it said, don't drink. And, and I'm dead and I can't play anymore. And usually parents are pretty protective of their children. They say like, oh, yeah. I'm sure the, like, the adult could have let you play again or it's a bit unfair or, or did we waste our money or that. And the dad's just like, well, that sucks. I guess that's your fault then, isn't it? <laughs> just, <laughs> I guess he's a little shit at home as well. But it was just great. Like just got put down. But excellent parenting. Exactly. Excellent parenting. So he had to, uh, his character had, didn't get to get the, the experience points of passing that level. So um, <laughs> he was a bit, a bit sad about it, but it's just it's just really fun. I really enjoy it. So I'm hoping to um host a game with some friends in in the near future, and that's quite intimidating. But I'm hoping to give it a crack and and see how it goes. It's very much. I feel when I was playing Dark Heresy, what made it was the fact that I was playing with the same people every week, so it was quite fun to just go back and all go through that storyline together. So it, it's very important on having a good crew with you. Yeah, and. And it's not like, I think a lot of people get intimidated about the whole role-playing thing, but it's it's not really, I don't know, from my experience, it's just you pretty much talking shit around a table about whatever happens. And it's literally about the journey and not the destination. It is, but it's a bit, it's been intimidating the first time you start and you're like, you'll get asked to introduce your character and you're just like, I don't really know, like you've got to make something up. 
Yeah. But once you've got a bit more used to it, you kind of just go with it. And you once the story's moving, it's very easy to keep on going, and it's very enjoyable. And I, I would recommend it. Yeah, I would. I will admit, starting off was tough for that respect. Like they were going around the table and saying, "Like, what's your, what's your character's name?" And in my head, I was like, "Think of a random name, Harold. I'll call my character Harold." <laughs> And I shit you not, the first person says, my character's name is Harold. And I was like, you son of a bitch. That was much, <laughs> out of all the names you could have picked, you picked Harold. So I ended up going with, because uh, I was the old, oldest by like a decade at the table, my character became Gramps. And it's the stupidest <laughs> name. But, you know, like once it's in your head, like uh, you can start imagining this old guy with a crane and he's really wise and, and he's got his own characteristics and blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, once you get started with a dumb idea, it just keeps going. It's, it's kind of fun. We did that when naming my character. I came up with a name, and I had a pretty good name. But the next week we turned up, I'd forgotten my <laughs> paper. Uh-oh. D- didn't have that, so I, and I couldn't remember the name I'd use. So I just wrote, wrote down Jeff for, like, just on a new bit of paper. Like, we'll just have that there, and I'll try and remember it next week. But in the end, none of us could ever remember the actual name, so we just my character just became known as Space Jeff. Nice. Because we forgot the actual The most generic character. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're there on spaceships fighting aliens, and here is Jeff. That seems like a... So, without the miniatures, that sounds interesting. Well, Warhammer is a very complex universe, yes. Well, yeah, a little... I was reading, because I like deep diving into the stuff, reading a bit about the history of the whole role-playing industry, and I could be getting this completely wrong, but from what I remember it saying was that Games Workshop, who now create Warhammer... They originally existed to become a UK distributor of the D&D products of the books that they were creating back in the day. Really? And so they started selling them in the UK, and that was the only way to get it for you you Brits. And then I think they got into their own... Were they making miniatures for them? But they somehow got into the miniature producing game, and then were pretty much like, ah, screw it, we'll make it. Because I think White Dwarf, their magazine was originally for all role-playing. But once they started yes. doing their own miniatures and they started doing, kind of going, all right, we'll do our own thing now, that White Dwarf magazine became just their products. So there's a bit of linkage. I happened to end up reading into that a little bit recently as well, yeah, about how all these things came about and where they've come from and how they've got to where they are now. Mm-hmm. Because I used to collect a bit of Warhammer, mm-hmm. and it's one of those things where it's – I don't know if it's, it's just nostalgia, but it's one of those things I like. I would like to get back into it if only I had the time. Mm-hmm. Because you know, like when you're when when I was that age of doing it, uh, um, like sometime I think I started like thirteen until I was like seventeen or something. I didn't have the money to do it really. I couldn't really afford it. But now I have that kind of money. You had the time, but not the money. Now you have the money, but not the time. Yeah. So it's yes, another thing on the pile of oh, well, that would be nice to do, but I haven't got the time to do it. Yeah. I just think back to those. Like uh, high school, probably high school is when you start getting into those kind of hobbies is that you get home from school at 3.30 and then you've got like two hours of uninterrupted like uh, internet time where you can just, when you did surf the net, you can just learn anything. And then you've still got a good couple of hours while your parents getting home and like, I don't know, getting dinner sort of blah, blah, blah. You've got a lot of time to like get into things, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And you don't realize it at the time. No, and now it feels like you've got you've probably got ten minutes in the afternoon to to, to get yeah, into a hobby, to, and you got to do some washing or something in that time. Yeah, something exciting. Got to be an adult, but no, no. So, um, I guess that's all we've got time for, really. Yeah, yeah. Be good chatting. But yeah, no. We will need to catch up again sometime soon. Yeah, I reckon after we hang up this, let's do a calendar look at 
And then we'll be like slightly more organized. Actually, than... Yeah, let's, let's, let's try organizing it ahead of time this time. <laughs> and I and I won't get sick. Oh, you can't control that. Uh, what, what should people do after listening to the episode, Coach? They should think about the hobbies that they used to do when they were in the adolescence and that they don't have time for now. Think about them. Think about how they wish they could do them and continue to not do them. That'd be great. Or, or maybe if you have a bit of time, give look it into it. Yeah, that's probably the more optimistic angle. Yeah, have, have a look into it because um, this one for me has been real surprising um, just how much uh, it's interested me just to read about. And it sounds like you've been getting super into your um, uh, climbing and stuff. So that's the kind of stuff that you weren't doing and you started and now you're definitely doing. So I think, yeah, we should do more interesting stuff. Go nice places, do good things. Do that, reader. Mm-hmm.